starting here with section 3, chapter 3, Ruach HaKodesh V'Hanavuah. Now, Ruach HaKodesh, it's going to be difficult to translate. Ruach HaKodesh literally would translate to Holy Spirit, hmm. or maybe the Holy Ghost. Oh, wow. Right. But I think it's best if we leave it untranslated. We'll learn this as a vocab word, Ruach HaKodesh. Ruach does mean some kind of spirit, but the, I mean, these are spiritual terms anyway. And the less we translate, the better, because we can, instead of injecting our preconceived notions about these English words into these terms, we can learn the term fresh and then learn the definition of it. Great. So Ruach HaKodesh and Nevuah, which is translated very directly as prophecy. But as we'll see, that is also quite different than I, I think what most people consider prophecy to be. We'll see that there's a, a quite a significantly different definition. So I think of prophecy as uh, someone who can basically predict the future. Exactly. That's that's the the caricature, let's say, of a prophet. Mm. Uh, but we'll see that that it's significantly different than that. So starting here, number one, Hine. The creator of the world placed within the nature of mankind a tremendous ability of intelligence, the ability to learn, to understand, and conceive of things, and with our outlook to be able to categorize and understand the world that we live in. And furthermore, this amazing capacity we have, the things that are revealed to us, the things that we can observe, we can extrapolate beyond the things that are revealed to us and are observable and understand things that are behind it, conceptual foundations of principles of reality. To the point where we can really grasp abstract concepts that are derived from things that we could perceive. Yeah, this seems like uh, he's saying we're really good at pattern recognition. Precisely. And this is part of the nature of the brain. This is a purely natural thing that's embedded within the human intellect. Hmm. This is the way of natural intelligence. Amnam. Amnam oid gazar. However, Hashem also decreed that there's another type of intellect which is much more elevated than that natural one. And this is the intellect which is influenced divinely. What that means is What that means is that using certain means which we'll get into a little bit in the future. There is an influence that comes from the heavens directly into the intellect of man and can implant awareness of certain concepts and knowledge of certain ideas with absolute clarity, with no room for doubt whatsoever and no room for misinterpretation or mistakes. Okay, so this is different from a concept like divine inspiration. By saying that there's no room for errors, this is almost like, almost like being controlled. I, I like that you brought up the, this term divine inspiration, which is sometimes the translation for Ruach HaKodesh. Mm. But it is misleading because inspiration implies that 
I've been awakened to some idea, but I still have to interpret it. Right. And that room for interpretation leaves room for mistaking. Exactly. That's, that's what I was getting at. Is this seems like it's saying there's a more controlled outcome that comes from this. Right. It's a direct knowledge that's being implanted right in your mind. And it is absolutely clear. Like if I just showed you a picture of something and you would see it and there's, you, you can't misinterpret what you're seeing. Okay. And a person will know and understand that thing in its entirety, all of its causes and all of its outcomes, a complete understanding, everything on its own level. This is called Ruach HaKodesh. So to summarize, Ruach HaKodesh is Hashem directly implanting some idea, concept, or knowledge divinely, into an intellect which is which supersedes your empirical abilities. Okay. Yep. Number two. What can you become aware of with Ruach HaKodesh? It is possible that through Ruach HaKodesh, a person can gain knowledge of something which could theoretically have otherwise been gained through empirical learning. Natural things, I mean, uh, an understanding of a mathematical equation or mm. an event that's occurring maybe on the other side of the world. It's possible to know that thing naturally. And you have just obtained that knowledge, let's say, unnaturally. <laughs> However, the difference would be this comes with an absolute clarity, like we've mentioned. However, through Ruach HaKodesh, it's also possible to gain an, an awareness and a knowledge of things which would be impossible to obtain through natural means. Included with that is knowledge of future events and also hidden things, he says, mystical secrets about reality, about the Creator and its creation that would be impossible to derive scientifically. Now, when he says knowledge of the future, already this sounds different. First of all, it's not prophecy. And we've established that. There's Ruach HaKodesh, which is different from Nevuah, which we'll get to later, which is prophecy. So we already see that through Ruach HaKodesh, a person can gain knowledge of the future. And it's still not considered prophecy. Hmm. Furthermore, this is very different from our episode when we discussed astrology and the ability to interpret the stars to predict future events. Well, because those are natural means, effectively. Correct. So th there's two differences. One is what you just said. It's natural means. It's an interpretation of nature and reality as it's being presented to us mm -hmm. through our senses. We can analyze the stars. Now, maybe the methods that we use to be able to, to, be able to interpret that, uh, we haven't come up with empirically. It could be that that is a tradition from ancient cultures who have received this knowledge through divine means. However, the process is still within the natural world. And the big difference is that there's a limitation, as we discussed in that episode, to the level of knowledge that you could have about any particular future event. First of all, it might not come true at all based on any number of factors. And what it really is, is it's not a knowledge of a future event. It's a prediction based on current conditions. What this is, 
with Ruach HaKodesh is a direct knowledge with absolute clarity of a future event. It's not a prediction. It is an awareness of something that will happen. Right. So I can use math to determine uh, if a beam will break under a certain load. And I'm still going to watch to see if that happens. But with Ruach HaKodesh, you would just know for a certainty uh, whether it will or won't. That's right. Number three. Now, there are many different levels, levels upon levels, when it comes to Ruach HaKodesh. Whether we're talking about the, the strength of the actual influence that a person is receiving, the strength of clarity that a person will receive, or the time that a person will receive this influence, or the means through which this is conveyed, or also the content that's being presented to the person, the scope of what they will become aware of. All of these things are variable factors and could determine the nature of that Ruach HaKodesh. In any of these situations, with all of their variable factors, in any case that a person receives true Ruach HaKodesh, they will know, they will feel it. And so, therefore, if you're asking yourself, have I ever received Ruach HaKodesh? The answer is no, because you would know. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it is possible that Hashem will place an influence in a person's heart. And he says a person's heart in, in rabbinic speech we refer to the heart as a place where, where a person contemplates things. Interesting. As it, right, as opposed to the it brain. It doesn't feel like where we contemplate things. Right. Well, physically, we know it's not true. We know that those calculations are happening in the brain. But the function of the heart, spiritually, is where contemplation occurs. Hmm. Anyway, he says that it's possible that Hashem will influence a person's heart or mind. That a person will become aware of a certain topic or idea. But the sensation that a person will experience when they receive this will be as if they just had this idea. Like the way he says here, like the knowledge just fell into their thoughts. In fact, there's a beautiful thing in the Yiddish language. Yiddish means Jewish. It's a Jewish language, it really is. And it comes out in certain ways. The word for idea in Yiddish is Einfall, falls in. Hmm. That it's not something that you just came up with. You didn't create it. Right. That this knowledge fell into your brain. So a person might be struggling with something, and it could be that unnaturally, Hashem will inject this information right into you. And sometimes our sages will refer to this experience in a general term as Ruach HaKodesh. But it's not true Ruach HaKodesh. True Ruach HaKodesh will be absolutely clear that that's what it is. It won't feel like you just suddenly got clarity into this. A person will feel in their consciousness that they have been connected to the divine realm and this knowledge and awareness is directly coming from Shemaim, from Hashem, 
into a person's mind, and there won't be any doubt about it whatsoever. Mm. Number four. Va'amnam lamale mikolzeh. Now, above all of that, above even Ruach HaKodesh, yesh maila acheres, there's another level. Ve'hi hanavua. And this is what we've translated earlier as prophecy, but really we need to understand this new word in new terms. We're going to define it now. What Nevoa is, is when a person reaches such a high level and he ties himself to the Creator and is connected. Devekus means cleaving to something. Connecting on a level where two things become merged. Has Devekus Mamish. Listen to this word. Mamish means literally, where he literally connects to God. And you might be thinking, well, what does that mean? I mean, it's not like when my I, I would like it's I, that's one of those situations where I'd be like, but not literally, right? Like my eight-year-old says, like it's literally boiling outside. <laughs> okay, but right, but not literally. <laughs> so here he's saying that a person literally cleaves to Hashem. And this is extraordinarily difficult to understand for you peasants that haven't done it yet. <laughs> We're working on it. Right, good, okay. What First of all, this obviously doesn't mean anything physical. That a, a person on a spiritual level is connected to the highest degree possible that is a manifestation of Hashem's presence in this world. Well, it, it sort of makes sense if you recognize that this person completely identifies with their soul and the soul is going to be the aspect that's connecting to Hashem. So in that regard, the person is literally connected to Hashem. Absolutely. And this happens to a degree, the Ramchal says, that a person will feel it. He will tangibly feel, experience the direct connection to Hashem. Not just feeling spiritual, but this will be a, a tangible experience. The Yasig he will grasp that which he is connected to. And this is an interesting term. What is he connected to? The honor or the glory of Hashem, which again is an abstract term. That's the way we would translate it into English. But again, what we need to understand is that when we refer to the glory of Hashem, what we're saying is it's impossible for a person to, again, literally connect to Hashem, which is infinite. A person has to connect to some emanation, some sort of interface that's been made available within the finite world. So even though it's not physical, it still needs to exist in a way that could interface with a creation. Hmm. And so the highest level possible that a person could interface with Hashem is what we refer to as the kavod, the glory of Hashem. And that's what a person is connecting to with nevuah. And when a person reaches this level, it will become so clear and obvious that that is what's happening, just as clear as it is that if you're sitting in a chair and you can see it and you can feel it and you recognize that it's supporting your weight, there's no doubt that you're sitting in the chair. To that level of clarity, and possibly even more, a person will experience that connection to Hashem on that level. So when you say clear and obvious, to whom? Clear To him, this, this person, but not to observers? Correct, to the person who is experiencing it. Okay. The hine, 
ikr hanavua hu hasig den devekus vaha kesher haze oidoi bachaim shezeshlemus godol vadai. So the essence of nevuah is, what prophecy truly is in its essence, is a person achieving that level of connection and closeness to Hashem while they are still alive, while their neshama is still somewhat attached to their body. And this, of course, is a great degree of perfection of the self. Ve'ulam. Now, having said that, accompanied with that connection, comes certain knowledge and awareness that happens by default. And when a person is in that state of nevuah, they can become aware of the true essence of things that would be otherwise impossible. Among them is some of the mystical secrets about Hashem. And a person becomes aware of that through this upper intellect that we discussed earlier, the intellect that receives things directly from Hashem. And of course, it is to a much higher degree and much stronger clarity than through Ruach HaKodesh. Number five. So the way this works, the way that a person will experience nevuah, it happens through a medium. A person cannot grasp the kavod, the honor, glory of Hashem, like we've mentioned, the way a person would see another human being sitting in front of them. It's not that level of clarity, or at least that level of direct perception which would be impossible. It comes with the help of AIDS. They're used in the way that a person would put a glass to their eye. It's through that medium that a person can perceive the kavod of Hashem. Now, the thing that he is perceiving is the actual kavod Hashem and nothing else. But the perception of what he's seeing is distorted based on the medium. The way a person would see through a lens. And the level of distortion of that image that he will be receiving will depend on just like viewing through a lens the distance that a person has from the lens, the closer you are, the clo- more the connection that you have, mm. the less distortion will be through the lens, and also the inherent clarity or lack thereof within the lens itself. So what he's saying is, when he said earlier, you are actually perceiving the Kavod Hashem and nothing else, as opposed to seeing a representation. You're not seeing a representation. When you see through a lens, the lens isn't producing a new image for you. There is refraction, it's distorting the light, but the image that you're seeing is coming from the other side. You are perceiving it, it's just being distorted by a medium. Hmm. So a person who is experiencing nevuah is truly connected to the Kavod Hashem, but it happens through a medium. Wow. And the, the degree, and that is always the case. And we'll actually see, 
in a couple chapters from now when we discuss the difference between Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, and every other prophet, which there is a deeply significant difference between all of them. Even Moses himself needed this lens, needed a medium. But so was his lens of higher quality and greater transparency than, than the lens of the others? Yes, by, by an extreme degree. And we'll discuss that then. But the point is that a medium is required. So it's fascinating, really interesting that a medium is not required, it's not even allowed in our direct communication with Hashem, but it seems that the messages or direct communication coming back, a medium absolutely is required. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because using this word medium is, is misleading because what you're describing is an intermediary, meaning what, what is not allowed is I cannot pray to Hashem or communicate with Hashem through another means, meaning if I would send this message to an angel mm -hmm. and, you know, please convey this to Hashem. I'm not talking to the angel. I'm talking directly to Hashem. That, that is true. And that's also true here with prophecy. The communication is happening from Hashem to the person. However, it requires an interface. And the interface isn't, isn't an intermediary. It's not something that is receiving the message for you and then going on its own and transmitting it to Hashem. Like he said before, the person is receiving the image. He is seeing kavod Hashem. Mm. It's just being distorted through a medium. So it sounds kind of like a filter. Yeah, or let's say when you call someone on the phone. You don't, when you're speaking, having a conversation with someone on the phone, you don't get the impression that you're talking to a phone. And then the phone will decide to go and then carry that message to the other person. You're speaking to the other person. It's just that there's an interface that's I see. Okay. facilitating that. Thank you for that clarity. Number six. When Hashem reveals himself in this way through Nevuah to a person, and he pours out this influence onto the prophet, onto the Navi, Yigbar alav tigbar es gadol. There is tremendous amount of pressure that is put on that person. Umiyad chamro v'chol ev regufa yizdazu v'yachshavli yizhapech. If you would see someone in the state of prophecy, it would probably freak you out, because what will happen to them is physically they will lose control. Their body will start shaking, all of their limbs will convulse, and the person it will look like they're going into a seizure. Because this, it has to be that way. The body is not capable of handling this level of revelation of spirituality. That level of spirituality the body can't handle, it certainly can't handle that degree of directly experiencing the honor of Hashem. A person's physical senses will shut down. And all of the functions of the body and the nefesh will just cease. Basically what's happening is it works like a circuit breaker. What a circuit breaker does is when there's a current going through a system, a circuit breaker is monitoring that current. And if it gets to be a surge that's going to be way too much for the system to handle, the breaker will shut off any connection to the remainder of the system. 
so that it won't be damaged by okay. that level of, of power that's going through. Yeah. So that's essentially what's happening here. The, the body shuts down because it cannot process the intense amount of spirituality that is being pumped through the higher levels of the neshama. If it would come down all the way into the body, it would break it. And so everything shuts down. And the only reason a person can continue to exist is that Hashem is manually suspending the body in existence and keeping it intact while this is occurring on the higher levels. While a person is in this state of nevuah, their ability to process information or awareness of loftier things is greatly increased. And it goes far beyond what would normally be possible for a human to be able to comprehend. Because the experience that they're having, it's not coming from the processing of their own intellect, but rather what they are directly experiencing in a higher realm, which would normally be impossible to derive or conceive of. Well, because it's hard for us to think of anything more direct than, you know, understanding something through your intellect. But you're talking about just gaining something directly as if there's a level beyond the intellect, which of course I believe, but. Absolutely. So in fact, one of the words in Aramaic for a prophet is a chose, is a seer. The concept of sight, as opposed to any other faculty that we have, let's say hearing, is that sight is you are directly receiving the information without you having to put anything together yourself. Mm. So if I explain the dimensions of a room to you, you would collect all of those details, hearing them, and one by one, reconstruct some sort of conceptual image within your mind. And you have to do that work. And that depends on your capacity for your understanding and your ability to integrate all of that information into one cohesive picture. Alternatively, I can show you a picture of the room and you see it immediately. And there's no work required by your mind at all to have to put that together. You're experiencing it directly. I see. And so that's what's happening with a Navi. A prophet is up there, he's in a different place, and he is directly experiencing something which would normally be incomprehensible for the mind to be able to reconstruct. Wow. The Oz, Masha Tasig, Whatever they're grasping at that point will be far greater than would be possible otherwise. And it's in that sense that a Navi, a prophet, is greater than someone who is receiving Ruach HaKodesh because with Ruach HaKodesh, the mind still has to process it within the intellect. It's still coming in here. It's being given to you, but it's still being processed, whereas a Navi is experiencing it directly. Okay, I see. And this is true even with conceptual abstract. It sounds like the difference between being given a cheat sheet and being given the answers. That's not a bad way to put it. Because what a person is experiencing with their consciousness, it's in more elevated consciousness than could ever exist, than is normally possible for a person. 
It is the consciousness and awareness that comes as a result of being directly tied to the creator of the universe. Now at that moment, when a person has that connection, the revelation of Hashem's kavod, His glory, at that point, that is acting on the person. And everything that's being pulled through that channel while it's open will be his nevua, his quote-unquote prophecy. Now, a person on that level that's experiencing it, how do you bring it down to here? How does that translate back into their normal waking life? As it comes down through the channels of the person themselves, it needs to be interpreted somehow by the person through the faculties of the nefesh. Yeah, the, the thing that I've been thinking of this whole time is it, you experience this prophecy and maybe you, you go up into the divine realms and you can see a four-dimensional cube. Now, how do you bring that information back down, what, what that thing looks like? Right. The things that a person is experiencing have no translation into this world. And so therefore what's required is through the amazing faculty of imagination, the prophet will have to translate their experience and then have, let's say, visions that can be processed by the intellect. So what's happening is these visions that are being processed by the intellect are really the outpouring of this channel that's opened up with Hashem's kavod. If that makes sense. Yeah. The and that experience remains with the person because it has been translated already through the faculty of imagination. Mm-hmm. When a person returns to his normal waking state in this world, he will remain with that knowledge with absolute clarity. Is he in danger of forgetting it or having it become more um, more vague over time? It's kind of like with a dream. You know, if you remember it when you first wake up, uh, it's very clear. But, you know, try to think about it 15 minutes later. That I don't know. He says he returns with absolute clarity. Does forgetfulness affect that? It's not clear that it would, but I, I don't know. Okay. This is the general principle for how Nevoa works with all prophets. Ach, prote hamadregos rabim. Now, of course, like with everything, there are many different levels of nevuah as well that affect different prophets, as we'll explain later on. And above all of them stands alone Moshe Rabbeinu Moses, who is unique. That the Torah, which is the direct transmission of Hashem's instruction into this world, came through him. And like the Torah says in Deuteronomy, there will never stand another prophet among the Jewish people that will know Hashem face to face. Wow. All right, help me out with, I think, one last question. I'm trying to figure out where we even, where I even got the idea that prophecy is predicting the future. Sure. The Rambam, in his Laws of Prophecy, explaining the, the Torah Laws of Prophecy, explains how we can verify a prophet. 
And the way that it's done is a prophet will often, through his connection, through the information that a prophet is receiving, it will sometimes, but not always, it will sometimes come with information that's relevant to people. And the way to verify a prophet, and this is the rules that Hashem gave, is that the Navi will experience something that will happen in the future. Mm. And he will have knowledge of that. It will either be something positive or something negative. Either something great is going to happen or some sort of punishment that will befall people. So the Rambam says that if he makes a prediction, so to speak, or not a prediction, but a prophecy, mm -hmm. let's say, uh, it tells people what's going to happen, what he experienced in the other world. If it happens, so then great. But it has to happen absolutely perfectly. Because again, there is no room for mistake at all. So if well, right, if this was if this was transmitted directly from the divine realm, it's absolute truth. So if he received that absolute truth, it will come with every single detail. So if he says, if a, if a Navi walked in here, into this room, and says that in five minutes from now, three hundred and seventy nine bees will fly out of the coffee maker and form a giant heart in the middle of the room. And it turns out that there's really 374 bees. But they do everything that he said, but the number was slightly off. Then he is a false prophet and he would be sentenced to death. Wow. It's another industry uh, without great longevity. <laughs> right. Being well, a false prophet. Yeah, it's not advised. So a prophet will have to make a prediction that will have great detail with it. It will have to come true and we can verify him as a prophet. If it does not come true, it depends if it was positive or negative. If it was a negative event that he predicted, then it's not necessarily a sign that he's a false prophet because any negative prediction comes with the condition that we must do tshuva, that we must repent. Mm. Because negative things don't have to happen. They're only on condition that we don't repent. But if we repent, then there's no need for that thing. I see. And so therefore, we can only determine a false prophet based on that. So this is sort of the metric. So this idea that a prophet will tell things about the future, it's sort of a side product of what's really happening with okay. Nebuah. But it is our metric for being able to identify who is a true Navi and who is not. So a prophet will at some point give some sort of prediction about the future, but that's just a, a method of determining whether everything else he says was, was accurate. Yes. And sometimes that is the true content of the prophecy as well. It could be that the reason this person received a nevuah is to inform us of something that's going to happen in the future, but not necessarily. I see. Thank you. It's a great chapter. A lot of clarity. Thank you. We'll continue next time with chapter four, more on prophecy.